Good afternoon. I am Pastor Antonio Eubanks of Heat Ministries, where we believe in using the Word of God to heal, empower, and teach, so that you may be properly equipped to help establish the kingdom of God and its principles in your families, communities, and world. If you're in the metro Atlanta area, we invite you to attend our Sunday service for a life-impacting experience. Please visit our website at heatministries.org for more information. We would love to hear from you. But for now, we pray that you enjoy this message. God bless. First Kings chapter 17. And we're going to talk about a dude who had to deal with a lot of issues in his life. A lot of issues, a lot of problems. He dealt with people who was coming against him. He, he dealt with trying to really hear from God. He dealt with depression. You know, so he, he dealt with a lot of, lot of things, but at the same time was a mighty man of God. So that lets me know that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what... People may be coming against you, no matter how you may be feeling, that you can still be what? A great person in God. Amen? Amen. First Kings chapter 17, starting at verse 1. It says, Now Elijah, who was from Tish in Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years. Until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens bought him bread and never meet, I mean, meet each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the valley of Zareth, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Amen. Amen. Somebody say, What's, what you going to do when your well, when your brook dry up? What are you going to do when your brook dry up? Amen? How many know that your brook will dry up? It ain't a matter of if. It's just a matter of when that your brook can dry up. See, we have a story here about Elijah, a great prophet of God. And it says that he went before King Ahab because... A little background with Ahab. Ahab was married to Jezebel. And Jezebel was a controlling, manipulating queen. And she pretty much got Ahab to, to walk away from the things of God. So needless to say, this was a corrupt and godless type of kingdom. So Elijah is raised up as a prophet by God. And he comes to Ahab in verse 1. And he says, I'm telling you, according to God, as God is speaking, that there will be no rain that will fall on this ground for years. He didn't say for a couple of days. He said for years. Imagine receiving a word like that and you're, you're in a leadership position and somebody comes and say that, no, you won't get what you need for a few years. 
Don't even worry about it. Don't look for it. Don't even ask about it. But in the next few years, until I come back and say, let it rain, it won't rain. And this is what he says to Ahab. And after he makes this word and this declaration to Ahab, then God tells him to go somewhere. He tells him to go to the, to the Kareth Brook near the Jordan the River, where the, the river uh, meets the Jordan. And then he says, drink from the brook, eat from it. The ravens are going to bring you food. You can drink from this brook. So God tells Elijah to go to this specific place. And Elijah goes, being obedient. Somebody, listen, somebody say, obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen? Obedience is better. So he obeys God, and he goes where God tells him to go. He does what God tells him to do. But even after he does that, obeying God, doing exactly what God says, following to the letter. He's letting the ravens feed him. He's drinking from the brook. But then what happens? The brook dries up. What? The brook dries up. Think about that. Now you've declared the word of God. You spoke what God has said speak. You've done what God said do. You went to the place that God said go to. You dotted your eyes. You crossed your T's. You did every single thing that God has asked you to do. And now all of a sudden, the very thing that he told you to say and do is the very thing now that seemingly is coming against you. How many know that's a bad place to be in? Or you may feel like that's a bad place to be in. You've done what God tells you to do. you said what God said to do. But now you find yourself also messed up. Now he's sitting in this brook with no food. The ravens not feeding. The brook is dried up. And he's probably sitting here saying, God... But I did what you told me to do. I did and said and went what you told me to do. How many people have felt like that before? You did everything that you thought you were supposed to do. You fasted. You prayed. You, you read your Bible. You sowed seed. You did everything that you thought you were supposed to do according to the word of God. But yet you find yourself in a dry brook. Meaning that things are not flowing the way you need them to flow. Meaning that you're not getting the things to sustain you the way you need to be sustained. Meaning that you're not being in abundance or prospering the way you're supposed to or the way you think you're supposed to. But yet you did all the things that God told you to do. Have anybody else in here been like that? Because y'all just looking at me, so I must be the only one. So I just preached to myself today, and I just said, I don't been there. Amen? I don't been there. Sometimes I feel like I'm there right now. Amen? Because you can do all the things that God say do, but then all of a sudden you, you find yourself in this dry place. You find yourself in this barren place. And you're saying, God, what's next? I don't understand. I did it. I said it. I, 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 I did everything you wanted me to do. But why are things not lining up? Why are things not happening the way they're supposed to? As a matter of fact, they seemingly have gotten worse. Even after you decided to follow God. See, that's what happens a lot of times as Christians, especially new Christians, we decide we accept God or, or even the, the ones that we rededicate our life that we kind of been out there and we decide to come back and we come back to Christ and then all of a sudden all hell break loose. And we're like, well, man, I had more fun when I wasn't going to church. It was all right when I wasn't reading the Bible, when I wasn't trying to do what God do. But the minute I try to do that, now it seemed like all hell done broke loose against me. I might as well step back out. But how many know that that's, that's 
your feelings talking to you. That's your emotions talking to you. See, emotions are not reliable. It's called emotion for a reason. It keeps you in eternal motion. It keeps you going back and forth, wavering. And what does it say in James? It says that, that when you ask God for something, you can't waver back and forth in doubt. We talked about that last week. When you waver back and forth, then you're really not operating in faith. Amen? So even in this place of this dry brook, we got to understand that Elijah, he true enough may have been feeling like, God, what, what now? Why, why, are you, why are you doing this? You the one who told me to say that it's not going to rain. Now I'm actually being affected by what you told me to say. I'm being affected by what you told me to do. You told me to sow seed in that person's life. You told me to buy their groceries for that month. And now I done lost my job. God, how does that, how, I don't understand that. How does that work when I do what you say do, but now it seems like you taking some things away from me. I don't understand that. And see, if we're not careful, we'll allow our emotions and our feelings to determine our outcome, our destiny. And how many know that it's a bad thing to do when you make a, a decision today based off of how you feel today that might affect you tomorrow? I'll say that again. See, when you caught up in your emotions today, when you caught up in your feelings today and how you feeling today, you shouldn't make a decision about how you're going to feel tomorrow and next week. Amen? See, there are some people say, for instance, you know, like, like last night, I was tired and my back was hurting real bad. See, I could have made a decision yesterday that, well, you know what, I'm not even going to go and preach tomorrow because my back is hurting today. I'm, I'm tired today. So I ain't even, I'm already can tell you, I'm going to call up, I'm going to call up Darius and say, you know what, I ain't coming tomorrow. You, you handle it because I'm tired today. I don't even know about tomorrow. Tomorrow ain't even came. But because I'm tired today, because I'm dealing with issues today, because I'm in a situation today, I'm going to make my decision about tomorrow. How many know you ain't supposed to do that? How many know that that's emotional driven decision making? And how many know that when you make a decision based off your emotions, those aren't usually the best decisions? Amen. Can I get a witness on that? Or again, am I preaching to myself? Are y'all going to help me today or what? Because yes, yes, yes. see, I know that with the times I made emotional decisions, things didn't work out. Things didn't work out. See, when you're making a certain decision about things, you got to look at how's it going to affect my next five minutes, my next five days, my next five months, my next five years. Every decision you make is not going to affect your you know, five-year plan for your life. You know, you decide not to brush your teeth today might not affect your five years unless you stop brushing them for five years. Then you're going to affect your mouth and things going to happen. But some decisions you make, and it's often those emotional-based decisions that will affect five, 10, 20 years of your life. Some people are still paying the repercussions of decisions they made as teenagers. Some people are still dealing with and carrying the baggage of emotional decisions they made 5, 10, and 15 years ago because they made it based off of emotion. They went to work, somebody got, did something wrong to them, so now they cussed everybody out at the job, including the boss, and now they out of work. 
So now they out of work. The, the money stopped coming in. So now all of a sudden they 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 lose their place to stay. Now they lost their place to stay. Now they find themselves out on the street. All based off of one emotional decision. One emotional decision. See, if you only do what you feel, then you're headed for trouble. Don't always believe in your feelings. See, because see, what happens is feelings, feelings work both ways. Emotions work both ways. You got, the, you got the emotion that, you know, make you feel bad. And it's like, okay, well, you know, I don't feel like doing it, so I'm not going to feel like doing it the next day and the next day after that. But then you also have those emotions that make you feel elated and, and you get all pumped up. And then all of a sudden, now you're ready to do something, but then all of a sudden, now that once that feeling dies down, you're right back to where you left off. See, it kind of happens at the beginning of the year. It's called resolutions. You know, we get all pumped up. I'm going to lose weight this year. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to exercise this year. I'm going to, you know, that's why at the beginning of the year, the gyms love the beginning of the year because they know they're going to get a whole bunch of people to sign up because they all motivated. They're emotionally driven. They done looked in the mirror and they done saw that they're going more this way than they are that way. So they go and they sign up for the little contracts. They go for about the first week, but then they forget this discontinue the contract. So the jail makes money off of them for the rest of the year because it was based on emotion. So now they cost themselves a financial bill because it was an emotional decision they made. Amen? Turn to Proverbs real quick. Proverbs 25. Proverbs chapter 25. And we'll see what, we'll see what God says right here uh, concerning those things. Proverbs chapter 25. Because see, when the brook dries up, when the thing, when that emotion dries up, then you got to know what, what to do. Proverbs chapter 25, starting at verse 28, it says, Like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. God is saying right now, get control of yourself. Get control of your emotions. He said, you like a city that is broken into without walls. Meaning you just letting things come in and out of your life because based off of emotion. You feel good today, so you let them in. You feel bad tomorrow, so you shut them out. You just like a city with no walls. You letting them in and out, in and out, in and out your life. God says right here, get control of yourself. Get control of your emotions. Amen. So we got to understand what God is really saying. You got to have control over your emotions. That's why he says, he says, trust not what to your own understanding, but what lean, lean on to God, trust in God. Know what God is saying about that situation. Know what God is doing about that situation. That's what we got to understand. But see, now, Elijah is sitting here at this brook, and you know he's got to be emotional. He's got to be saying, why, God? Why did you let this happen to me? Why am I going through this? Why why, why am I the one? See, that why will get you in trouble. That why will bring in what we talked about last week. That why will bring in that doubt. Because you say, why, God? Why is this happening to me? Then all of a sudden, you begin to doubt God. You begin to doubt what he said in your life. You begin to doubt what God has spoken over your life. You begin to doubt the very word of God that applies to you and you because you're saying why. And then we know that that doubt goes to what? Quick test. Doubt, doubt is the seed that, that over what? Grows next into what? What comes after doubt? Worry. And then worry fully harvested is what? Fear. 
is fear. And that's all the enemy is trying to do. When he has you in that situation and it appears that things have dried up, it appears that things are not flowing the way they're supposed to, things are not lining up the way they're supposed to, that's the enemy's way of getting you to ask that question, why God, why me? Why God, why me? But God is saying, why not you? Why not you? Who are you that you're not supposed to go through some things? Who are you that you're not supposed to have to have some experiences with some dry things? Who are you that you're not supposed to have to go through some trials and tribulations? Why not you? Why not you? But then he tells Elijah right here, he says, he says to go down to the go down to the to the valley of Kareth. And see, the thing is that we gotta understand that life is a is a series of opposite actions. In Ecclesiastes, it talks about it. You know, it's a time for this and it's a time for that. You know, it's a time for life. It's a time for death. It's a crime for crying. Time for laughter. So you go back and forth. We 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 are we operate in an ebb and flow life. It's, you can see it in the nature with the sea. The water goes in, comes out. It goes in, comes out. It goes back and forth. But see, we're not supposed to be tossed by those emotions. James says, don't be tossed like, don't be tossed like the sea. Just because the sea is moving back and forth, we have power through the word of God to calm those storms. We have power through the word of God to ease that sea. Just because the things are going back and forth don't mean that we got to go back and forth. See, some of us need to tell the people in our life, I'm not going to ride your bipolar roller coaster. Amen. Cause some people all in the same day, they one way and the other. And all you have to do is say, you know what? I didn't buy no ticket for the bipolar roller coaster. I, I think I'm gonna go over here on the Ferris wheel. Cause that roller coaster right there making me sick. I'm getting, I'm getting emotion sickness. I'm getting emotion sickness. But see, we gotta understand that life is opposite reactions. See, we love to plant things, but we don't like to uproot the weeds that grow around it. See, it, it takes both. If you're going to plant seed, if you're going to plant the word of God in your life, you got to know that the enemy, it says, he sows tares. I mean, he sows weeds. So if you sit here and you're receiving the word, you're going home and you're reading the word and studying on it, know that the enemy is also trying to attack that. He's trying to choke those things out. So just like you plant, you got to be willing to uproot. Yes. Just like life builds up, life also can tear down. Amen? But see, things sometimes... Sometimes got to be melted down in order to change. See, when you got an ice sculpture, when they making a, when they making these ice sculptures, and they use the little saw to cut the ice block and all that. Well, anytime they ready for it to change, pretty much you got to what? Start with new ice. Well, how do you start with new ice? You melt the old down till it turn into water, and you freeze it back up. See, some things got to be melted down in order for you to build up the way you're supposed to be built up. And that's what was happening right here with Elijah, with the brook drying up. See, this valley was called Kareth. Kareth in the Hebrew means cutting. It means cutting. So this is what we can see that was happening right here. It says then in verse 2, then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. He says go to the east and hide in this place. Hide in this place. Who was he hiding from? He was hiding from Ahab. But he said, hide in this place. But hide where? In this place of cutting. Oh, so what is that saying right here in the word? It's saying right there that God is sending him to a place of cutting. 
Meaning, there's some things that need to be circumcised. There's some things that need to be cut away from your life. But I know that until you go to this place, until you experience the dryness, those things won't be cut away from you. See, when things are flowing right, when we're living in abundance, when things are going good, everybody loving us, and we walking on cloud nine, sometimes we don't have that much faith. See, faith is only something that's tried. You got to try faith. And the only way you try is through adversity. Amen? Adversity builds character. And this is what God was doing to Elijah right here. He said, you know what? I want you to go down to this place. And he, and he let him eat. And he let him, he let him drink. But then all of a sudden, things were cut off. Things were cut off. See, sometimes God had just cut things off because he's trying to, what, build character. Because if you truly want to know who's in your corner, you take them into the bad with you. Everybody can enjoy a good time. Everybody can enjoy when the money flowing and, and when the when the shopping is going on and everything's going on and you know go on a trip with me, I buy you what you want, I can do give you what you want, I can let you eat what you want. Everybody can be your friend then. That's that's the easiest friend to have. But see when the trouble hit, see when the trouble hit. Who's going to be the loyal ones then? Who's going to be the ones then? See, that's how you try. And that's what God does to us sometimes. He says, I know you love me when I, when your bills is paid. I know you love me when your car no paid. I know you love me while you got a job. I know you love me while everybody loving on you. But when they start talking about you, when your car get repossessed, when you lose your job, when your money get a little funny, when your money run out before the month do, do you love me then? See, it's easy to love me when everything's going good. You love me so much when things going good that you don't even remember me. That's how much you love me then. He says, but when things get bad, when things are not always lining up, how much do you love me then? Where's your faith then? Where's what you believe then? See, when I start cutting on you, and see, this is the thing. A true leader, a true leader will always circumcise. He will never castrate, but he will circumcise. There's a difference. Castration means that he's trying to cut you off from being able to reproduce. A true leader will never never cut you off from reproducing. God is a true leader. He will never castrate. He says what? Be fruitful and multiply. But a true leader will circumcise. What does that mean? That means cutting away some things away from you that he sees and identifies that he knows if you keep that thing, you won't grow the way you're supposed to grow. If you keep dealing with that thing, you won't be who you was called to be. So he'll say, you know what? I got to cut these things away from you because anything that's uncircumcised brings about a lot of dirt. It's hard to keep clean. It's hard to, it's hard to keep it natural. So you got to cut away that flesh. You got to cut away that thing so that now it can operate properly in the way that God ordained it to do so. Amen. So that's why he sent him here. He says, the Lord said to Elijah, go. See, it wasn't Ahab that made him go. It wasn't Elijah that made him go. God sent him. Just like God sent Christ into the wilderness. See, that's what I'm saying. And all I'm saying is to say is that a lot of us, the things that we're going through, not necessarily is the enemy. Quit giving the devil all the credit. Because, see, when you give him the credit, then who's there to give you the reward? When you're saying that the devil is attacking me, the devil putting me through this, well, who's going to give you the reward when you come out of that? When you come out of that situation? 
See, some things God is allowing to happen. God is saying, you know what? I know my child is ready for maturity. I know my child is ready to grow. So I need some things that, that I got to put them through so that I can build up their character. Amen? We got to build up the character. And I'm, I'm, I'm touching on this for the simple fact that we said at the beginning of the year that God is God has given us the provision for this year to carry the things out. But we got to also know that just because he says that he's given the provision, we can't get down, busted, broken, disgusted when things appear to be dry. Oh, that must have not been the word. The God must have not really meant that. God must have really been lying. Or oh, he must not, he must have not been talking to me. No, the devil is a lie. Just because it's dry don't mean that God's hand still ain't in the situation. Amen. It says what in the scripture? That what? Some of the things work good for the good? No, what does it say? It says what? All things work good, work for the good. All things, meaning the good and bad, you can use them both to come together to, to, to make it good for your life. God can take the messed up, worst situation. He can take your mess and give you a message. He can take your misery in your life and give you a ministry. He can take the test of your life and what? Turn it into a testimony. Amen? That's how he says all things. He says, but you just got to look. You got to be revealed to the things. Even if it's bad, what you're going through, say, God, what can I get out of this thing? How can I use this thing as an exercise for my faith? Because James said, tells us what? He says, be counted all joy when we under trials and we in temptation. He says, count it joy. Why? Because that builds up our faith. It builds up our endurance. It builds up our patience. He says, use that thing as exercise. Amen? Amen. Why? Because you got to remember who you serving. Remember who's, who you serving. God is the one that is here. God is, is God not over your life? Do you not think that God know what you're going through, even if even if the enemy is the one that's attacking? Do you not think that God knows that? There are no surprises to God. God is not surprised. We the ones who walk around and act like, oh man, I didn't know that was gonna happen. God already knew what's happened. He says what? He orders your steps. Amen. He orders your steps. But see, people don't realize that word order works two ways. One is order, meaning he lines everything up. But also order means he commands your steps. Amen? But if he commands your steps, that means you got to be receptive of the command. Otherwise, you will be subject to walking what? Out of order. Amen? But you got to know who you're serving. Why are we doing it and who led us to it? So you got to be persistent in these things. Turn, turn to Colossians real quick. Colossians in the New Testament. Because we got to know who we're serving. Amen? Because sometimes the brook will get dry. Sometimes the brook will dry up. But we got to realize that no matter if the brook dries up, no matter what we may be going through, no matter what it is that's going on, we can still say, you know what, God? I know who you are. I know whose I am. I know everything that you have for me is for me. Amen? Colossians, and I'm looking for uh, chapter 22. Because God says, remember me in this time that you're going through some things. Remember me in this time where things might not be working out the way that you want them to. Remember, I mean, what did I say, Colossians? But it ain't got that many, dude. 
some more. I, I, yeah, I roll some more up in there. <laughs> I got, give me right now. I might say it too. I might be talking about two, yeah. That old typos will get you sometimes. Yeah, I'm, and I'm looking at, it says in verse 20, chapter 2, verse 20 says, You have died with Christ. And he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of this world? See, that's what it's saying in verse 20. You have died with Christ. When you accept Christ, that means that you died with him. That means that you connected with him. That means that you become one back with Christ. And it says that you died with him, which means it has set you free from the powers of this world. So even though the brook may be dry, even though the situation might not be the way you want it to be, we have power over that thing. So we can begin to speak to that thing. We can begin to say, God, you know what? Where is the brook not dry? Don't worry about why this one is dry. Start saying, God, am I still supposed to be here? Is this situation still supposed to be here? Is this person supposed to be in my life? Am I supposed to be dealing with this job? Am I supposed to be dealing with this situation? God, tell me what I'm supposed to do. Because he says, why do you keep on following the rules of the world? See, following the rules of the world means that we following the things that they do. We, we, we tripping out, we flipping out, we crazing out, we doping out, we sexing out. We doing everything to do to try to avoid the pain. Amen? But God says, you know what? I need you to go through this little bit of pain because I'm trying to cut some things away from you. Because pain is the precursor to change. See, we won't change until we experience some, some pain. Amen? See, Elwood, he didn't go to the doctor until the pain really got unbearable. See, once that pain gets very unbearable, then you're going to find a doctor. You're going to find a way to get better. Amen? So God says, some of y'all, I'm just putting you through some pain because I'm trying to bring you to the doctor. Because I know if you get in enough pain, you'll stop running to everything else and you'll finally have sense enough to run to me. Amen? And then you'll get the message that you're supposed to have. Amen? And so then we got to realize also that in doing this, we got to realize that God is trying to make a difference in our life. God is trying to make a difference in our life so that eventually, eventually, we can make a difference in other people's life. Amen? We can make a difference in other people's lives. Turn to, turn to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I think that one got four chapters. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verse 15 it says, For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary, see, momentary, meaning just right now, just right now. See, we can't allow momentary things to cause us to make permanent decisions. 
Amen. We can't allow temporary situations to cause us to make permanent decisions. See, some things we going through are only temporary, but we'll look at them so much that end up we end up making permanent decisions based off of that. See, a lot of husbands and wives, they'll have that temporary argument where they cuss each other out two ways to Sunday, but they'll let that temporary situation cause them to make a permanent decision, meaning we ain't in love no more. Let's get a divorce. Temporary situations turn into permanent decisions. He says, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. See, he's saying that this thing is producing something. This affliction that you were going through is producing something. So you can't get you can't get oil out of the olive until you squeeze it. You can't get grapes out of the, uh, wine out of the grape until you press it. See, things got to be pressed and squeezed sometime to get the essence out. God says, I'm trying to pull out the essence out of you because you've been covered up, you've been caught, you've been, been wrapped up, you've been, been piled on, so I got to start saving some of that stuff off, cutting that stuff away from you so that I can pull the essence out of who you are. And then in verse 18 it says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, meaning temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What is Paul saying right here? He's saying the stuff you're looking at right now is temporary. And my granddad used to tell me all the time, he said, either my problem going to last or I'm going to die first. He said, but either both of them temporary. He said, you, the problem, you either going to outlive the problem or the problem going to outlive you. But either way, both of them going to end. Amen? Everything in this life is temporary. Everything that we see is temporary. Everything. So that dry brook that Elijah was looking at, that dry brook that we might be looking at, God is saying that it is temporary. Don't focus on what you can see. He says focus on the unseen, that thing which is eternal, that thing which lasts forever. God said that is me. That's why he says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He says you're trying to add by the things you can see. He says the way you add to your life is first by looking at the things that you can't see. Allow those things to be revealed to you. Allow my word to be revealed to you. When you allow that to be revealed, the thing that you can't see, then you will be able to see the things you want to see. Amen? Amen. I say it like this. See, the people of the world, they got to they gotta see in order to believe. They got to see something in order to believe it. That's why magic works, because it's the sleight of hand. You can move things around and shift it, because we, the people of the world, got to see in order to believe. But we as the body of Christ, we as children of God, we as disciples of Christ, we're supposed to believe in order to see. We got to reverse it. We got to believe that thing first, and then we can see it manifest. Even if we're looking at a dry brook, we got to know that we serve a flowing God. Even though we're looking at a messed up situation, we serve a God that is a God of not, of not of confusion. Even though we're looking at finances that might not be right, we got to see a God that will supply all our needs. Even though we're looking at ailments in our body, we got to look at a God that says, by his stripes, I am healed. See, that's what we got to understand. Just because what you see with your eyes, you can't see it with your spiritual eyes. You got to see something different. You got to put on those spiritual bifocals so that you can see properly. Amen? Amen. Remember who you serving. You making a difference. Because ultimately, ultimately we have to what? 
focus, focus on God. We have to focus on God. We have to focus on God. We got to focus on God. See, this thing is not a, this thing is what we call life. Paul talks about, he says that, that we run the race. But see, this race is not a sprint. See, a lot of us are in a sprint mentality. We just want to, we want to, we want to get there. You know, and that's what it causes us to feel like we're not growing or we're not progressing. Because not only are we running that race and we're trying to run a sprint, but we also looking side to side. We're looking at who running the race next to us. And we compare their stride with our stride. We compare their dryness with our dryness. Their abundance with our abundance. Our strength with their strength. See, we're running the race. Not only are we running it as a sprint, but we're looking side to side. But see, God is telling us, no, this is not a sprint you in. This is a marathon. It's going to take endurance. You might not get there quickly, but you're on the right path. You might not get there when you want to, but in an appointed time, you will arrive at the finish line. He said, but it takes endurance. And even in a track, in the natural, they tell you when you run a track, do not, do not look side to side. That's why they, even with horses, they put blinders on. Because they know as soon as the horse looks on one side, that's going to slow them down. God said, take your eyes off of who's running around you and keep your eyes focused on who he is. He said, because when you're looking around, that's going to cause you to slow down. It's going to cause you to compare. Comparison leads to jealousy and envy. Comparison leads to strife and confusion. He says, quit comparing. You don't know how they got what they got. They might have been working longer than you have to get what they got. But the fact is, you in the same race. Be proud that you running with them. You might not run as fast as them. You might not run as good as them. But the fact is, you running and you going to get there. Amen? Amen? We got to understand what's going on. And then see lastly right here, God says, Elijah did everything that he did in verse 5, 1 Kings 17, verse 5. It says, so Elijah did as the Lord told him, and he did all that. See, that's the thing. You got to always stay in obedience. And then in verse 7, it says, but after a while, the brook dried up. And I like that God allowed that to be put in verse 7, because 7 is the number of completion. 7 is the number of completion. And so it says, but after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall in the land. Oh, but then verse 8, is the, 8 is the number of new beginnings. And in verse 8 it says, then Lord said what? Said, see the new beginning? See, one thing with some things are complete. See, God will dry some things up. Well, he, he'll make it uncomfortable. Because see, some of us are only stuck because we're comfortable. we fine with this. we we familiar with this. God, I don't, I don't want to step out off of this thing. I'm familiar right here. This is where I'm comfortable at. I don't want to have to come out here. Because when I come out here, this is new territory. I don't know how they're going to receive me over here. So I need to just stay where I'm familiar at. But God said, no, that cycle is over with. It is complete. You are over with with that thing. I'm drying that thing up. You ain't going to be able to stay here even if you want to. Because it ain't going to be nothing here that will be able to sustain you. But in the new beginning, verse 8, then he said, then the Lord said. See, when you ain't want something new in your life, when you're ready to start something new in your life, you got to start with what God say first. Don't go off what man say. Because man said, move over there and take that job or move across country. If God ain't told you to move, then you might be moving out of order. And you get over and all hell break loose. But in a new beginning, always seek what God say. And then in verse 9, 9 is the number of manifestation. 
See, first the cycle must end, and then a new beginning comes, meaning a seed is planted, and then that thing is harvested in the manifestation. And what does he say in verse 9? In verse 9, he says what? Go, go, and live in the village of Zareth, near the city of Sinai. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. In other translations, he tells him to arise. That lets me know that um, he, that that um that Elijah had got comfortable where he was, cause he said arise, but even go. That means get up from where you at. Quit sitting here. You don't been sitting here too long. And for some of us right now, we've been sitting in the same situation for too long. We've been hemming and hard for too long. God had already told us the things we need to do, but we just comfortable in what we doing. We comfortable in this job. We comfortable just dealing with these same people. I don't need no new friends. I don't have these friends all my life. God says arise. Get up out of that comfort. There's some people out there that I've already instructed to provide for you. But as long as you're sitting around these same old folks, you will never know the ones that are out there ready to provide and to give things that I have ordained for you. Amen? Because he said, I have instructed a widow there to feed you. But see, you're not going to get that widow here. The widow is there. Amen? As long as you stay here, you're not going to receive what God's got. This door is unclosed. You're looking at the closed door, but God's saying the open door is over there. Amen? And he tells them to go to Zarephath. Which is also a Hebrew word that means to to refine, to refine, meaning to make better. See, God is saying, I'm trying to move you out of this place. Okay, you've been cut. I done did everything. The cycle is complete over here. Now it's time to go. It's time to get up and do what I've called you to do. Quit sitting on those ideas. Quit sitting on those words. Quit sitting on those things that you're supposed to do. See, it's, it's bad when you when you end up dying and everything that God put inside of you dies with you. It never got manifested out here because you was comfortable. You was comfortable in what God was doing for you. He was blessing you with a good job. He was blessing you with a house and a car. But you got comfortable in the things and you didn't get comfortable with him. See, you was provided for but you never wanted to go and get to, to the provider. Amen? He says you got to get up. You got to get up out of that comfort. Get up out of that thing that's keeping you held down. He says because it's time to move. He said you don't care how old you are. He said it doesn't matter. Sarah said that she was too old. But he said I gave her something anyway. I made her manifest some things anyway. It don't matter what you don't have. When you got God, you got all you need. Amen? It don't matter if you ain't got enough money. It don't matter if you don't know the right people. It don't matter if you're too old, if you're too broke, if you're too busted, if you're too disgusted, if you're too ugly, if you're too pretty, if you're too black, if you're too white. God said it don't matter what you're too much of because I'm the God of too much. I'm the God of everything. He said if you walk with me, it doesn't matter what you don't have because with me, you got everything. Amen. He said, matter of fact, I want you to come empty. Because then I ain't got to remove all the junk. Amen. He says, come empty. Because then I can pour it to you even more so. Because see, ultimately, he's preparing you for something. And I'm closing right here. He says, he's preparing us for something. Because see, with Elijah, he, he put him in this place of cutting to build his character. And then he put him through this refining place to meet with this woman and the widow so he could even for himself, see the power of God. Because we know the widow's story. She ain't had nothing to eat. She said her son was about to die, but he asked her for something to drink and a little cake, and she made it. 
with the oil and the flour. And long story short, when she made it with her last, meaning she didn't really have nothing, God then turned on the flow of abundance because she was obedient. But that also allowed Elijah to see that God was still God. He says, it doesn't matter where you are, I'm there. I provided for you here, and I can provide for you there. This man was having birds feed him. How many know that God will provide for you? If birds can feed, yes. if birds can feed Elijah, then how many know that God can stretch your dollar and Kroger? Amen? Yeah. Amen. You just got to understand how to do those things. When you walk up in there, you got to ask God, God, stretch my money. Show me the deals. Help me not to buy the things that I don't need to buy. Let me circle the outside of the aisle because that's the healthy place of the grocery store anyway. <laughs> when you go into the mills, it costs you more money and it costs you more health. God say, circle the outside for a little while and see how your money get right and see how your body get right. Amen? That was for somebody. They just, they just threw that in there. I don't know who that was for. But I just listen and I throw it out there. But as I was saying, I'm closing right here, that God was preparing Elijah for a battle. Because see, that's the ultimate thing, is that God is always preparing you for the next greater thing. And he was, if you read on down in, in, in uh, chapter 18 of 1 Kings, he was getting ready to battle all the prophets of Baal. And see, God is saying, I, you, I can't send you to my people. I can't send you to do fully the work that I need you to do when you got all this stuff bogging you down. And you you worried about what's going on right in front of you. You letting your five senses rule everything. I thought you said that you walk by faith and not by sight. Well then why when I put things in you that don't look right, when I put things in front of you that don't appear to look right, then your faith is gone. You just said you walk by faith and not by sight, and I'm here to give you a test on that, but why are you failing the test? Amen? See, God's brooks will always dry up. He doesn't want us to stay in the same place all the time. That's, the, that's our problem. We get comfortable. We get comfortable surrounded by it. By, by peace, we get comfortable surrounded by friendship, we get comfortable surrounded by, by kind words, we get comfortable and we want to just stay there for the rest of our day Lord if I die today I'd have had it all I think, but the devil lives a lot God says there's more, there's more the greater shall, the, 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 the former shall, I mean the latter shall be greater than the former, amen there is more. Then see, God allow that, allow that proof to drop. Then we start weeping. We start saying, oh, Lord, what have I done? Why have I done something? Did I do anything wrong? But see, Eliza hadn't done anything wrong. Don't let the enemy make you think that you've done something wrong, the reason why things might not be working right. God still loves you. It might be God saying, I love you so much that I'm ready for you to take this test because only through the test will you get promoted. Amen? See, even in the world, they get that. You don't get promotions in school until you what? Pass the test. Amen? So God is saying, you know what? I'm ready for you to be promoted. But see, I can't promote you out of order because then that will be outside of who I am. He says, I got to promote you through the test. The test of your faith. So the thing that you're going through right now is just a test of your faith so that you can come out of this thing greater than you ever went into it. That's what it means by, that's what it means when it says that we are more than a conqueror. That's what it means. How can you be more than a conqueror? See, I always tell people that, you know, they got the thing about cancer. And they say, you know, that we're, we're cancer survivors. And I, I, I had my bout with cancer and everything, and 
I was like, you know what? I'm not a cancer survivor. I don't like that word survivor. I don't like that word survivor. Because survivor to me means that I was barely hanging on. That I just got through this thing. That I just got through it. I'm just holding on just to right now. I'm just holding on. I can only get through it by my the hair on my skin and teeth, so to speak. But God says, you know what? You're a victor. You're a victor. So that's what I started saying. I'm a cancer victor. Because that means that I came out better than I went in. I came out with more than I went into it with. I'm a victor, meaning that I have more than a comfort. What does more than a comfort mean? It would seem like that once you comfort something, that's all it is. He says more than a comfort. That means that you came out better, you came out stronger, you came out with more endurance, you came out with more patience, you came out with more love, you came out with more faith, you came out with more long suffering, you came out with more peace, you came out with more joy, you came out with more hope, you came out with more happiness, you came out with more money, you came out with more. Amen.